At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the Leadership Strategist. Tonight's guest, international keynote speaker, author, and recording artist, Sir Charles Carey. Hey, what you drinking? Okay, so sometimes we have conversations with folks and it's just exactly the way it's supposed to be. Because I hope you understand that I'm I'm metaphorically inviting people into my man cave and I am exposing them to my top shelf liquors, my top shelf whiskeys, and we're going to play whatever they want to listen to. Uh, but we're really trying to get into what does it really take to be successful in anything that you're passionate about? And, 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 and this guy that I am talking to now is the top shelf. And he's someone that I've known for a bit. So Sir Charles Carey, come on into the room, man. What's going on? What's going on? I thought you'd never let me in, man. Thank you. <laughs> Look, I am just so excited. I'm glad I sat out the first season so that you can get all the kinks out because now is the time and the time is now. <laughs> well, man, uh, I I have been looking forward to this conversation because you and I go back uh, a, a, a bit. Yeah. And I, I am so glad that I didn't know the significance of who you are when you, when you and I first met because I might have been intimidated. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. But, you know, hey, look, so... I've got a lot to catch up with you on because it's been a while since we've talked. Yes. We we went through a while where uh, we were talking almost every week mm-hmm. and then uh, you got busy, I got busy and life just happened. So I got a lot of questions to catch up with you on. But the first question, and everyone knows, so I'm just going to pause for effect to give my audience time to to ask this question with me. We're going we're gonna to ask on the count of three. So one, two, three. So what you drinking? And you would be surprised. I drank 
but now I drink. I like old duels, man. I like St. Paulie's. You know, I look, I drank so much in my time that I've taken a permanent back step on my appreciation of the beverage. You know, I don't drink anymore per se, but when I do get into the mood, I'll grab a St. Paulie's or an old duels. And uh, that will suffice, man, because um, I'm just it's in a different space at this time. Yeah. OK, well, I'll tell you, man, you, you're first because we've had we've had people drink all kinds of things. We've had lemon water. We've had Coca-Cola. We've had some brown liquors. Uh, we've had concoctions that I can only call an icebox drink. But you are the first O'Doul's <laughs> that we've had on this show. And so since you're going to do the O'Doul's, uh, and because I knew that I was going to be talking with just one of one of my dearest old friends in this professional speaking space, I'm going to go to a classic top shelf whiskey. Uh, a lot of times, if you go to many restaurants, if you go to many bars and you look at their literal top shelf, what you will find is Woodford Reserve Doubled Oak. And so that's what I'm going to go with today because I'm, I'm going to be speaking with some top shelf and I think it's only right. So let's go ahead and I'm going to crack open this, this Woodford Reserve Double Oak. Wow. Pour me just a, pour me just a little bit. Just a skosh, huh? I hear it. I hear it, man. I can almost smell it. You can. I was just gonna say you might even be able to catch the bouquet, man. I tell you, man. Man, I'm already enjoying this. Uh, so while I continue to enjoy this, just share a little bit about who you are and how we've come to become. Uh, I would almost say professional brothers because when I think about the things that you do. And the things that I do, you were really there at the launch of this thought curator space that I'm trying to be in now. You were there at the beginning. And, and quite honestly, you, you help drive a lot of the focus that's allowed me to be in this space now. So it was, you know, competition, but friendly competition, more like, again, watching your brother do things that you say you want to do. And he's like, come on, you can do it too. If I can do it, you can do it. So share a little bit about what you do uh, and how we've come to be connected. Well, let me say this first and foremost. I really am honored to be here. Uh, I know the first time we met, it's been, it's almost been at least 10 years. If it hasn't been, um, we were dancing around a platform, a brand new platform, which I'm still kind of sad that it's gone because it was really a lot of fun, a platform called Blab. And uh, you would pop up here and there. And I would like, man, I love that guy's voice, man. And the richness in which you present. I mean, you could be saying the alphabet. I'm like, dang, okay. You know, can I borrow your voice, man? <laughs> but, you know, you know, and we would see one another on these various platforms, that one and others from time to time, and only to find out, I don't know, a short time after that we were in a mastermind together. And, you know, it just, uh, to me, nurtured a natural and genuine relationship. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I'm knocking on your door from time to time looking for you and your expertise as it relates to some of the projects that I have participated on and some of the projects, obviously, that we worked in together. I'm just one of those cats that um, 
old school with a twist. And I used to say, tell people that I rock the mic without a melody. I can't quite say that anymore because the melody is coming back. But I'm one of those inquisitive people that really seeks clarity. I like to understand. I like to know, you know, what makes things work out, what makes them challenging. And regardless to the answer to any of those things, I understand that it all starts and ends with mindset. That's a little glimpse into the way I think and to the person that I've become. Okay. So, I mean, I, I can absolutely see that, man. I, I can vouch for everything that you said. And, uh, you know, the whiskey hasn't quite kicked in yet. So there may be some people listening who have not experienced Sir Charles Carey. So talk a little bit about what you do professionally, because uh, what you do for a living is what a lot of people say that they would never, ever, ever do under any circumstance, no matter how much you pay them. Even if their loved one was being held at gunpoint, they would never do what you do professionally at the highest level. So talk a little bit about what you do and, and we'll just get deeper into this conversation. Sure. You know, my area of focus is leadership, communication, and last but not least, customer service. And as I taught in all of those different arenas, the thing that I found was most profound and most odd to me, that's because I'm not your normal guy in, in, in so many respects, was that most people would rather die than to speak publicly. And to me, I just never could wrap my mind around that until I actually started teaching it and I realized how challenging it was for my participants, my students to want to come to the front of the class in front of the microphone to present their own information or just to introduce themselves. So my area of focus is in leadership, mainly in communication, as I previously said. But within all of those areas, mindset is key. You know, without the right mindset, you cannot be a leader. Without the right mindset, you will not be an effective communicator. And I think I've gotten into it because my life started out uh, like anyone else's, except for when I became a teen, I was introduced to substances, drugs, and all those kind of crazy carry-ons that happen in our community. And I got beside myself. In fact, I lost myself for about a quarter of a century. And once I realized where I was going, nowhere fast, then I started thinking. And as I began to come back to the original person that I was intended on being, it caused me to see clearly. And as I saw clearly, it made me realize how powerful our minds are and what they can help us manifest. So everything I realized, literally, conversation, decision, obviously, actions, Everything is all about mindset, but we get in our own way so often. I like to be the conductor, the instructor, you know, the narrator, the 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 guide, uh, the person that helps people work through their challenges as it relates to mindset. Wow, and you're really, really good at it. Yeah, I, I've Thank seen, you, man. I've seen you do this uh, on large stages in front of thousands of people. I've seen you do this in small in small stages, and one of the things that uh, and this was really kind of a lesson to me very early on in our relationship was how transparent you are. You know, a, lo a lot of things that I would expect professionals, buttoned up professionals would be eager to hide and, and, and eager to tap dance around. 
you lead off with your struggles. You lead off with, this is where I was, this is how bad it was. But when I saw that the first time, you know, that's what really caused me to stand up and say, who is this dude? Talk a little bit more about, you know, that story that you tell about where you've come from artfully you use that as a setup for discussing where you are now and the fact that you've made the change and regardless of what people might think you don't you don't have a cape you're not a superhero and the tools that you use to make the change are the same tools available to anyone who's willing to step into that mindset that you keep talking about or on the other side of the coin if I am a superhero, so are you, you know? <laughs> uh, in my first book, I said that my struggles are great. My struggles are many. I'm just a man with sin all in me. I find it amazing no matter how hard I try, trying to do right, I struggle inside. Pluck the speck up my brother's eye while mine are open wide. That gives me reason for pause as I contemplate inside. Balancing life. Sometimes I feel spurned, like playing a game. I might lose my turn. Relationships, loyalty. You know, I go on and on and on in, in a, uh, a poem that I wrote called My Struggles. And that's what it is, literally. You know, that's only a part of the poem. But the point of it all is we all have a struggle. We all have challenges. And why I lead off with that is because that's my truth. You know, and when you want to help someone, you have to be, in my opinion, transparent. If they can see that you're vulnerable, you're willing to be vulnerable, you're not ashamed about being vulnerable, then maybe they can loosen up a little bit. Maybe they can uh, provide uh, some of the quote unquote secrets or sensitive topics that haunt them, that don't allow them to be their complete selves. And I think that it's important because I don't have to be the best speaker in the world. Do I want to be? Of course. But however, that may not be the end goal for me. That may not even be the purpose about being the best. Maybe just being the speaker that has his own style, that leads in the way that he leads, that reaches the people that need to hear his voice. My uh, synergy and clarity and chemistry with the listener that needs to hear it the way that I tell it is the most important thing. So that's why I'm not ashamed of, of telling it, you know. And I'll tell you honestly, even though we'll go into it a little bit later, part of the reason why at this point in my life that I am doing some of the different entrepreneurial endeavors that I'm doing is, was because I was told, oh, you can't do this if you're a speaker. You can't do that if you're a speaker. People won't take you seriously. You know, and I'm at the point that I'm going to say, so what? Then I'm not the right speaker for you, period. Yeah, well, you, you're doing a lot of things that that really do tap into what had become a theme for me uh, with a lot of guests. You know, for a while there, uh, you could probably find like five or six episodes where I was really kind of caught on people who were doing things that seemed impossible. You fit in that category. I mean, it's it really is impossible for you to write an author, a best-selling book, and here you've done it seven or eight times. It, it really is impossible for you to consider yourself someone daring enough to have a, a, a singing or recording career. And, and that's exactly what your foundation is. And then many people will say, 
oh my gosh, like, you know, like I said before, there, there's no way I'm going to stand on stages in front of a thousand people, let alone be transparent. I'm not going to even do that telling lies. I'm just not going to do it. But you've done it time and time again. And literally, you've paid the bills doing that very thing. And many of the people uh, who we have watched on YouTube, those have been your actual teachers, Dr. Willie Jolly, Del Toro McNeil, all these people that we have marveled at, you have been humbled enough to say, teach me how to do what you do. And not only have they done it, you did it on a reality television show. So do you are living an impossible life. If I hadn't seen you do it, and you told me that you did it, I might think that you might still be drinking Long Island iced teas. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, it's great that I've had mentors from afar, but what's been even better and helped me to realize that I can realize my dreams regardless to what type of dream or how the dream uh, is to manifest is that I met many of them in real time and they've taken me under their wing and I've studied them and I've invested in all of their materials. And I, I had this hunger and this thirst so deep that I did all the things I needed to matter, to show up. And it was important that I show up because I wanted to be a part of that life. And I have become that uh, as we speak. And it's true. A lot of people wouldn't I do many of the things that I do, many of the things that we do, Galen, but I look at it as the training ground. It's the training ground that perfectly positions me and has positioned me to where I am today. You know, thinking about recitals as a child in church, you know, thinking about uh, plays, thinking about growing up as a musician, having a band, and then eventually getting into movies with Nicolas Cage and John Voigt, and then eventually continuing my music entrepreneurial endeavors and then becoming a speaker and an author. If you think about it, it's all part of the creative aspects of life. And all of it centers me around dealing with people, addressing people in one way or another, educationally, professionally, socially, recreationally. And it's all put me where I'm supposed to be. So why is it that I should let someone tell me or some organization say, well, you can't speak if you write books or you can't write books if you're a singer. All that's nonsense. And if you want me, once again, I'm here for you with all the talents and gifts that have been placed inside of me. And if you only want one of them, I'll give you what you want. But I will not stop using all the gifts that have been given to me. Okay, so now this is one of my favorite words, my favorite questions to ask guests. And so I'm going to hit you with this because you're in this, you're in this vicinity. Okay. Where, where does that courage come from? Because, you know, it's, it's easy for us to sit here now and, and look back at your life and just say, yeah, you know, I woke up on Tuesday and decided, yeah, I'll write some books and I'll, I'll, you know, recording artist and, and I'll do all these amazing things. But I suspect that there had to be a time in your life when you said, yeah, this seems outlandish, but I'm going to go for it anyway. Where did that come from? And, and, and do you remember that moment? I'm not so sure. I probably could. I'm not so sure that I do remember the moment, but I do remember knowing that I wasted a quarter of a century of my life. That's two and a half decades. Some people have not lived that long. And to know that 
all I was doing was overwhelming myself, you know, building and digging an abyss for my life. And it's like, really, is that all you amount to? And when it was all said and done and I began to make the transition, it was a news flash to let me know there was so much more for me. If you're still here, imagine what you could have done had you not done the things that brought you down. And now that you're coming back up, now that you're coming back up, why not use that time wisely? Why not find the answers to all those things you did not understand, did not know, were curious about? And I'll be quite honest with you, at my core, and most people would not believe it, but at my core, I was an introvert. And I knew that I was so inspired by the performing arts that in order for me to do it, I had to learn it. And when I realized I had something to offer, I like a little kid standing on the wall watching everybody with their hand in their mouth, I began to inch up towards the dance floor, the center as much as possible, doing the moves that I can do. Oh, and then there are new moves. So I learned each phase, each move, each art or art form, how I was able to express it. And once I got used to doing it in different ways, the courage got better and greater within me. And it let me know it's okay to walk out in front of people and speak on a microphone or dance in front of people or sing in front of people. And then when their response said, oh, wow, that sounds pretty good. It opened up my eyes to know that I was doing the right thing. Wow. You know, know, I've said a couple of times that the hardest step is the first step. And once you take that first step, which requires usually a lot of courage, once you take that first step, well, then the second step becomes just a little easier. And, and then you take that second step. Well, you might as well take the third step because it's right there. And if you're not careful, you, if, you're, if you're not careful, you might trip over the fourth step, right? But it's that first step. It's that courage that it takes to jump out and go for that thing. And one of the things I really like about your story is your use of mentors, because a lot of times people will sit back and they will watch someone and say, wow, I wish I could do what they do. That's about as far as they go with that. Uh, but you've taken a different approach and that seems to have made a, a difference. Talk to us a little bit about how you have leveraged mentors. Well, you know, I think it's important that many times we want what we see. And as it relates to a profession, a career, If you want what they have, you have to do what they did. And it's not just listening to them and mimicking them. That's part of it. But you'll find that the mimicking part, at a point, if two of us are the same, one of us is not needed. So Mm. you can't just mimic. Wow, you can't let that sit. You can't (laughs) let that sit. You got to say that again, man. If two of us are the same, one of us are not needed. Now, I'll even modify it a little bit. If two of us are the same, one of us may not be needed. Why take a chance in not being needed when you can just be your authentic self from the beginning? So if you want what they have, you've got to do what they've done. Now, I do believe that molds are meant to be broken. I do believe that there's benefits in duplication. However, I believe there's something spectacular about authenticity. So if I can take what you have, and make it my own or take what you have and make it different because it doesn't always have to be better, but make it different, make it shine differently, use different colors. Then I'm walking the walk as well as talking the talk. 
And one of the biggest or toughest things for people to do, I find, is to invest in themselves. People want guaranteed results. And, you know, it's like building a house or painting a fence. Just because you want your fence to look a certain color, you have to do more than want it. You have to do something about it. And if you don't have the money, you got to get the money. And if you have the money, you got to go to the store to get the paint. And if you get the paint, you also have to get some brushes. But that's not good enough. You have to open up the paint can. You have to start learning how to stroke the fence until you have completed the task. And I was willing to do that. I was willing to invest in myself at various levels, sometimes with books, sometimes with DVDs, sometimes with conferences, sometimes with workshops, asking questions, getting uncomfortable, asking what I thought was a dumb question, maybe, and getting the answers, taking notes and really taking it to heart. And the reason I kept coming back was because it was for me. And I had a thirst and a hunger for the very thing that my mentors were doing and people liked them. And when I was around them, you know what I did? I shut my mouth. I watched how they interacted with each other. I watched how they interacted with their audiences. And I learned, man, I, I get excited just thinking about it. Wow. I mean, that, that reminds me of an article that I just read uh, about a conversation between Michael Jordan and Emmett Smith. And this is when Emmett Smith was either just coming out of uh, just coming out of the, the pros in the NFL, or he was just barely into his retirement. And he um, sent an email to or sent a message to Michael Jordan. And he said, hey, Mike, I, I would love to sit down with you and just understand how you organize your business, how you have done what you've done. And Michael Jordan said, absolutely, let's make it happen. What, what about next Tuesday at 3.30? And almost immediately. And so they had that conversation. And Emmett Smith asked Michael Jordan, wow, this has been great. Why do you think people don't do this? How many people have come to you before and asked you what I've, I'm asking you? And Michael said, none, no one has. And Emmett Smith said, well, why do you think no one has asked you? He said, well, what did it take for you to get a meeting with me? Well, yeah, I picked up the phone and gave you a call. He's like, that's all it took. And people are unwilling to take that first step because they've got this story running in their mind. Back to your point about mindset, you've got to be willing to take that step to learn from people that have been down that road and uh, do what they have done. I'm with you. That makes all the sense in the world. I mean, I have been fortunate that not all, but many of my mentors, when I call them, they pick up the phone and I'm like, I'm still surprised that, you know, because I know how big they are, meaning in the industry, what their status is. I know how much money they're making. And when I make a phone call and they pick the phone up, I'm like, wow, I matter. I matter to them. And it's more than just the fact that I've gone to their conference, so I bought their books and materials. I think it's because of the person that I am. They see in me what I don't see in me, but the same thing that I see in other people that they don't see in themselves. I'll be honest with you. I'm just grateful that I have that kind of relationship with my mentors. And, um, you know, I don't do everything they say because I know that my path is not their path. 
I know that my style, my speaking style, my presentation performance style is not the same as theirs. And knowing that it's not the same as theirs, it makes me um, kind of proud, sometimes still unsure, because, you know, when you're carving out a new path, it's like, oh, man, should I do this? Should I not? And I'm not afraid to call them and say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? But uh, yeah, that Emmett Smith, Michael Jordan story is very profound. And I think if more people did that with their mentors and just with each other on the world of entrepreneurs would be a lot stronger. Uh, In my mind, you have this space that I think it's just the power of the tagline that you were running with for uh, for the longest time. I don't know if it's still there, but uh, you used to always say radiate the brain and change the game. Again, still pulling from something that you had to go through, but instead of running from it, hiding it, you you made that your the tagline of your business, uh, but still stepping into this mindset. So talk to me a little bit about how important is mindset? You, you mentioned this already. How important is mindset? And, and what are some things that you do uh, to keep your mind focused on what's possible rather than getting pulled down like all of us do from time to time, getting pulled down into, uh, oh my God, this won't work. This can't work. I can't do this. I'm not as good as that other person, but staying focused on what you're trying to accomplish. I'll say this. I don't get a chance to share the love of uh, family as much as I'd like to, but I love my family desperately. But I also love the gifts that have been given to me. And um, I'm very selfish with my time, very selfish, because really all I want to do in life is use my gifts. Now, I know you can't do that relentlessly, hashtag Tim Grover, but... uh, (laughs) I really believe that the thing that has been put inside of me since the very foundation of my parents before I was born, that's something I'm supposed to do. And that's something that I'm responsible for. I don't know if I'm really answering the question, but I'll say that I love it so very much that I eat, sleep, and breathe my talents. If it's not speaking, it's a book. If it's not a book, currently it's a music project. The opportunity to create before content creating was a quote unquote thing. That's who I was. I just didn't know it. You know, I used to tell people that I used to say I was I was a singer. And then my band, we started doing our own events. Well, that's more than just a singer. That's a singer. That's a, a, a producer. That's a, you know, event planner. You know, and then when I began speaking, I would say the same thing. Well, I'm a speaker. And then I started training. And then I started doing workshops. Well, that's more than just a speaker. That let me know that we have multiple talents and it's up to us to recognize them. Here's a quick story. Evil Knievel, which many of us know, some people have never heard of Evil Knievel, but our age group, we know who he is. He was in, doing an interview and he said, um, you know, many people know I've broken all these records and, you know, jumped over buses and cars and, you know, uh, made millions of dollars. Now, I could have very easily been a regular great dad. But had I done that, I wouldn't be the man that you've come to know. And I was like, wow, that was profound. And the reason why it was profound to me is because his son tried to be like him, Robbie Knievel. But his son did not have any closeness, couldn't touch his father's success. Not that he was trying to outdo him, but just to keep the legacy going. His son became a substance abuser, 
And the whole point of it all is that how dedicated, committed are you to your gift? Now, it does not mean you're going to be a millionaire. You may, you may not. But if it means that much, if you can honor it that deeply, that dearly, if it's that close to the very core of your being, then I think you're doing what you're supposed to do. Now, I know everyone has their own value system. The traditionals of the world, they see things differently. I have shifted away from many of the traditional teachings that we were taught. Maya Angelou says it best, when you know better, you do better. So I've turned from many things and decided to do the thing that's most important to me, but it's just not about me, it helps other people, given the opportunity. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.